Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the show. Uh, today we're going to be doing a Q&A. Uh, I think these are always pretty valuable for you guys that tune into these episodes, um, putting up a, a story on social media and whatnot and getting the questions that you guys actually want to know the answers to. And just giving you my opinion. So just keep in mind that these are always just opinions. Uh, I'm not saying it's the only way or it's not the only answer to any of these questions. But thank you to everyone who sent through a question through social media. Uh, been getting some really good feedback on the episodes lately, uh, particularly the most recent one where uh, my producer Kane and I sat down and just pretty much talked some shit for 45 minutes or whatever it was. Um, got really good feedback from that. And that's definitely a segment of the show we're going to keep in multiple times per week where Kane jumps in and we figure out some really cool segments for um, the episodes, uh, get some listener questions, keep it a little more relaxed and a bit easier to listen to. Um, not that hopefully these aren't that fucking hard to listen to, uh, but more so just a little more relaxed and not so much specifically on a, on a certain topic Um or not having bringing in an outside guest. So just Kane and I sit down, have a few topics to talk about, whether it's something trending, um, you know, a popular topic at that time. Uh, and we're just going to figure it out as we go. But thank you to everyone who sent through some feedback on that first episode. Um, it was nice and enjoyable to record. And today I'm just going to run through a few of these questions that I got sent through. So there was a fair few that did get sent in. Um, obviously, won't go through all of them today, but. Let me know if you find this episode helpful. Um, if you do, if you think of someone who could benefit from hearing this one, feel free to share it with a friend to send them the link or share it through your social media. That'd be brilliant. And of course, if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, please do. Got some really, uh, really insightful guests coming up and, and people that I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with. And then also, obviously, we've got, I think this may even, I'm going to have to have a look. This may even be episode 400. We may have already done that, but um, yeah, up to about 400 episodes on, on the podcast so far. So there's so much content for you to sift through if you're new to the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast. Um, if you've been a listener for a long time, as I always say, thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate it. But um, that's enough of me just talking absolute garbage. Let's get stuck into some of these questions. So the first one I've got here is, should girls train abs or will it make them look boxy or blocky, I guess, is another way it gets put quite often. Now... When it comes to abs training, when I when I was younger, I was a bit of a nut with abs training. I would, I would train my abs every single day thinking that the more I trained them, the better they'd look. Now, you just have to think of your abs like any other muscle group in your body. Now, yes, they are quite a small muscle group, so they will recover a lot faster and they can also handle a lot more volume, typically like the carbs. But if you want your abs, it, it's important to understand that genetically, the shape of your abs is going to be the same no matter what you do. The only thing you can do to your abdominal muscles, the same as any other muscle group, is either increase or decrease it in size. So 
If you're finding that your abs don't look that great, even when you're lean, then starting to overload your ab training, start thinking of them like any other muscle group, training them um, you know, anywhere between two to three times, maybe a little more if you'd like to, up to four times per week, training directly um, on the abs, overloading the, the, those muscle groups when possible with weight or more reps, more sets, um, varying angles, so different exercises targeting each different kind of section of the abs, you know, whether it's lower abs, um, the upper abs, obliques, transverse abdominus, all that type of stuff, like picking some exercises where you're really going to be targeting each specific area and if in particular you need to, to kind of bring up a certain part of them more so than others, so maybe lower abs, which is typically something that a lot of people struggle to, to build, then start using exercises where you're able to overload over time and start to try and build that muscle so that when your body fat is lower, they look better. And when your body fat's a little bit higher, you should be able to see them um, for a longer period of time, even when your body fat percentage is a little higher. But no, you will not make yourself look blocky. All right, so I, there's a lot of um, myths around there in terms of avoiding certain movements, even things like deadlifts and what because and whatnot because your waist is going to get thicker. In my opinion, that's just not the case. You know, when you're training your abdominals, you should really be focusing on um, the breath, so exhaling every time you're contracting your abs, controlling the movement, not, not using any momentum. So you're actually training your abdominals and your core to stay tighter even when you're not using it, all right? So you look at bodybuilders that practice things like vacuums or tensing their abs so that when they're naturally relaxed, their abs uh, are more switched on and tighter. So it's the same for anyone, but whether it's female, male, it really does not matter. I think if it's a muscle group you want to be building up, then put some more um, some more focus on that muscle group, just like you would if you were trying to grow your hamstrings or your, your pecs or your lats or whatever. But don't feel like you need to train abs all the time. Think of them like any other muscle group. And to be perfectly honest, like we use our core muscles in pretty much every exercise that we do in the gym, even outside the gym. Our, our core is working all the time. So I don't necessarily do a great deal of direct ab work anymore. As I mentioned, when I was younger, I used to do an absurd amount, way too much. And the difference between how they look when I'm lean then compared to now is very minimal, if any. Like I probably look better now that I'm doing heavier compound movements definitely because I'm not training them as frequently um, and I'm treating them like any other muscle group. So um, they're not going to make you look big and bulky, um, but just keep in mind that your abdominal muscles, are, are kind of the shape of those is, is genetic. The size of them is up to you. Um, but in the end of the day, the calorie deficit, making sure your body fat percentage is low enough to actually see them is the most important part out of all of that because we are using our core direct, uh, using our core pretty much all of the time. Next question is tips on hitting your protein target. Now, this is a good question because a lot of the time when I start working with clients, particularly online, um, the struggle in the early days of tracking macros or tracking your calorie intake or at least roughly knowing how much you're eating on a daily basis is a lot of people just aren't eating anywhere near enough protein. So let's say you are, you, you're now consciously aware of how much protein you need and how much you've been having. A lot of the time, there's a bit, big difference. So you may have only been having 60, 70 grams of protein per day now all of a sudden I send through your target and it's 120 or 150 or even um, for, for a lot of males that are, that are a little heavier, it might be upwards of 200 grams of protein per day, which can be difficult to get in. So a few tips for me, like any other um, macro tracking tips, I guess, is plan ahead. So grab out your MyFitnessPal app in the morning or the day before, the night before, map out how the day is going to look if you have a rough idea of what you're going to eat, see how much protein you're having throughout the day. I always try and recommend, if possible, to try and evenly distribute your your protein intake um, throughout the day when possible because we're, we're getting more muscle protein synthesis. Um, 
But if you're still finding you're falling short, a few tips that, that I like to, to use, and, and this is what I share with my clients as well, is start to increase the protein portion sizes in the meals you're already having. So let's say you're having a smoothie or a shake in the morning, um, you may add a half a scoop to that. So instead of one scoop, you've got a scoop and a half. So you may go from 30 grams of protein to 45 grams just from that one little bump. Increasing your portion sizes on um, on on your main meals. So let's say you're having uh, um, let's say you're having lean red meat um, for dinner. Instead of having 100 grams, you might have 150 or 200 grams. Very big spike of protein very quickly. Other than that, things like protein bars. If you're not already having shakes, that's in my opinion one of the best and one of the only reasons I use a protein powder is for. Um, convenience, being able to increase my protein intake um, quite easily without having to have a big meal or without having to have food prepared. Um, you know, if you're looking for a really great product, uh, you know, yes, this is a bit of an advertisement, but um, you know, someone who supports the show um, so much is EHP Labs. They're a sponsor of mine. They've supported me for years and years and years. Um, they have fantastic products, and I use them on a daily basis. Um, if I didn't, I definitely would not be promoting them whatsoever. But if you'd like to pick up some form of supplements, whether it is a protein, if you need creatine, any form of supplements, um, you can head to the EHP Labs website and just use the code DJK10 at checkout, and you will get 10% off your purchase, so it's a decent saving. Um, if you're using another brand, no worries, go for it. If you don't need supplements, no stress at all, but I just thought I'd throw that in there for anyone who is looking for supplements at the moment. Um, again, EHP is just a big um, supporter of me in the show, so I always love being able to support them back. Now, that's it. That's a great way to increase your protein. So, increasing increasing portion sizes, um, using things like bars and shakes throughout the day, and then also trying to suss out what sources of food that you're already having or maybe not having have high protein intake in them. That's the beauty of using apps like My Fitness Pal is being consciously aware of what you're eating or maybe what you're not getting in as well. So, hopefully, that helps. Next one we have here is any advice on tracking dinners or food that have multiple ingredients to cook at home? So you've got a couple of options here. Um, you can always go for a bit of a guesstimation and put in what the meal is on my fitness pal. Just pick an option that seems like it's a, an overestimate of how many calories in that meal and stick with that option every time you have it. But if you're serious about seeing results, um, we, which you know I mention this all the time to clients, like we have, I get people come to me all the time that are really struggling to see results and that's why they're coming to speak to me in the first place um, and you know they claim they've tried everything blah 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 and then I ask them to spend a couple of minutes a day tracking their intake on, on an app on their phone and they're not willing to do it because it's too hard yet we spend hours and hours every single day on social media and doing doing all this other bullshit that really is not helping us in any way yet we tell everyone how serious we are about seeing results but we're not willing to spend a couple of minutes a day investing in ourselves to, to make sure we are seeing results and taking the guesswork out of it. So if I'm having a meal at home, I'll literally just go in and put in the, the single ingredients. So if it's just my partner Danielle and I, um, obviously I'm just splitting all the ingredients in, in half and that's what I'm adding into my fitness pal. And I'm putting them all in one by one for that meal. Now, if it's things like uh, what's an example, green veg or condiments that don't have calories in it. There's no need to add those in there. Keeping in mind a lot of, and most condiments do have calories in them, so it is important to add that in. But, I'm, you know, to an extent, I'm still kind of guessing the measurements of a lot of these um, ingredients. But within the MyFitnessPal app, one of the cool functions that I use quite often is being able to, to add a custom meal. So you might put in the ingredients for that meal and something that you have quite often. You can actually... 
use that calculation or use those single ingredients to, to add that into my fitness pal as a meal. So if it's um, spaghetti bolognese, all right, so you put in your ingredients, you can make those ingredients in a single meal, which will be saved in your app for the next time you have it. You can just plug that in without having to do all the single ingredients again, which makes things a lot easier, um, very simple and very accurate, which means you are going to be more likely to see progress and achieve your goal, which in the end of the day is what we're all trying to do. Next question, um, this is a bit of a random one, but what are you reading at the moment? Um, you know, I try and give recommendations for the stuff I read quite often. So at the moment, I'm reading two books. Um, let me just go into Audible. Um, I, I pretty much just listen to most of my books instead of reading. I, I find it hard to sit down and concentrate long enough to actually buddy read it. But um, one of them at the moment is called Happy Days by Gabby Bernstein. You would have heard me mention her multiple times on the show before. I find all of her books and all of her content extremely helpful. So I'm listening to that one. And then the other one is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. So I'm really enjoying that for anyone who is in sales, who has a business, who has to make negotiations, or if you just really want to understand how to negotiate conversations with people and and both people coming out out winning or or you being able to leverage um, yourself in a certain way, then... um, Never Split the Difference is a fantastic book. Chris is a, a former FBI negotiator. Um, if you haven't seen any podcast with him on it before, it'd be worth checking them out because it's um, super insightful and interesting in my opinion. That's what I'm reading at the moment. Okay, what do we have next? How do you work out your deficit macronutrients, making sure you're not under-eating? So we've got two different examples here. The first one would be if you're someone who is currently not in a fat loss phase, but you are tracking your calorie intake. So we'll use a random example of 2,400 calories a day you're eating on average and your body weight staying the same. For you to figure out how many calories you need to lose body fat, it's very, very simple. Just make an initial um, decrease of around two to 300 calories from where you're currently at. So if you're having 2,400 a day, you would start your deficit at around 2,100. Protein should stay the same, if not increase slightly. And then it's just a, a process of rinse and repeat. So once you've noticed your, your progress has plateaued for multiple weeks, we then make a, a small tweak by either reducing calorie intake again, um, which would be a smaller decrease by, say, 100 calories. So you might go down to 2,000. Or we increase our energy output by either increasing volume or frequency um, in the gym with our strength and resistance training or we add in some form of energy expenditure from cardio if that's necessary or if that's something that you would like to do. Um, but it's, it's very simple. Otherwise, you can use different formulas. So I, I always have the link to the Ultimate Flexible Dieting Guide that I, that I wrote years ago but continue to update in the show notes where you can go in. I've got a formula in there for you to use to show how to um, calculate your macro specific to you. Now, the other thing I would like to mention on this topic is that when we are in a deficit, because it is extremely important not to go in too deep of a deficit because it's just not necessary. Um, not only is it not necessary, but you will hit a plateau a lot quicker. You will damage your metabolism a lot quicker. Um, and you're more likely to lose muscle mass, which is not what we want. We work so hard to build lean muscle tissue. And then we decide we want to get in shape and then we just fuck it all up by eating next to nothing and losing a heap of mass, which will make it even harder to lose the fat in the first place. Okay, so it's important to remember when we're calculating these macros, I used to be a big advocate for tracking all three, so protein, carbs and fats, but I've, I've gradually shifted across more so now to predominantly tracking calorie intake and protein minimum. 
So what I mean by protein minimum is we, we have our minimum amount of protein set at two grams per kilo. So if you're 60 kilos, you'd need 120 grams minimum. Anything above that is fine as long as we're staying within our calorie goal. Now, the fats and carbs ratio is, is a lot more um, personal preference. It's not as important, in my opinion, the differences in your physique from tracking really religiously your, your carbs and fats ratios compared to not is not that much different. If you're someone who just is really anal about it, then then yes, you can track pro, uh, your carbohydrates and fats. Um, again, in the Ultimate Flexible Dieting Guide, which is free, um, in the show notes, you can have a look at how I calculate those numbers um, based off how many calories I'm having. Very simple. Um, but yeah, the main thing is initially when you're in a deficit, just like when you're trying to increase your calories, you, you don't want to make huge jumps. So yes, you may make a, an initial decrease of your intake um, quite large, I guess, but it still shouldn't be huge. So like I said, we want it, the, the slower you lose the fat, the better because that means it is a lot more likely you're losing body fat and you're not just losing weight um, in terms of actual muscle mass. Um, and that's what we want. We want to retain mass and, in, and decrease our body fat percentage in a calorie deficit or a fat loss phase. Some tips on how to become more of a morning person. Um, example, what to do the night before. Um, in terms of getting up early and being a morning person, I mean, you know, I, I get up at between 4 and 5 a.m. every single day and I'm still, wouldn't classify myself as a morning person. I think there's a, a few really good um, tips I can give around this though to make it a little easier. Yeah, I think the most obvious one is making sure that you're, you're getting enough sleep the night before. So if you know you're getting up at 5 a.m. and you're trying to aim for seven hours sleep, then you need to be asleep before 10 p.m. Very simple stuff. And also try, if you can, to work on going to sleep and getting up around the same time on a daily basis, which will help your um, circadian rhythm and make it a lot easier and more natural for you to wake up at that time. If you're changing the times you go to sleep and wake up every single day, it's going to be quite difficult. Uh, the night before, um, if I'm using my phone or watching TV or on the laptop or whatever, I will wear blue light blocking glasses. Um, they, they've been a big, big help for me um, in terms of making sure that when I actually try to go to sleep, my brain's not still kind of firing and, and um, the, the blue light is not sim- uh, stimulating my brain too much before I sleep. Uh, meditation before sleep is fantastic as well. But then the next morning having some form of routine. I've talked so much about having a morning routine and how beneficial it can be and it's been a game changer for me and, and, and something I recommend to all of my clients. Um, it doesn't have to be an extensive morning routine. It could be very simple or you know as extensive as you like. So I've mentioned mine a bunch of times, but I, I kind of get up in the morning. I'll usually do a cold shower um, straight out of bed um, I'll then do my meditation and then some journaling. So the journaling would might be some intentions for the day, things I'm grateful for, and then kind of revisit my goals or what my goals are for that day, like my highest priority tasks that need to be done. And then things like hydration. So getting in plenty of water. Um, I typically have caffeine when I wake up in the morning as well. These are all things that will start to help. So really coming up with some form of structure and routine, just like anything else in life, it's going to make it easy because if you're continually changing things up, if you continually coming into every day without a plan, then you you can't be surprised that you're kind of all over the place or struggling to find any kind of rhythm or consistency. So structure and routine has been a big one for me um, and I think that'll help you guys out a lot as well. All right, I want to do a couple more here because I'm conscious of keeping these solo episodes a little shorter. Um, 
so this question here is an interesting one. How come you can train your legs every day um, in brackets cycling to work, but other muscles only twice? Now, this is a good question. So think about the amount of volume of work that we do on our legs on a daily basis. Now, assuming you're an, an able body and you're able to walk, um, we spend every day standing up and walking on our legs. So our leg, our lower body muscles are way more conditioned to those movements than other muscle groups would be. Just like for someone in a wheelchair, their, their upper body is going to be way more conditioned to doing pushing and pulling than what um, most people would be who uh, walk on a daily basis. So cycling to work, although, yes, it may get difficult if you've got a fucking headwind or whatever, then good luck to you. But cycling to work is not a – you're not really con- – you're not working the muscles through their full range, okay? So you're not contracting the quads to their full extent every time. You're not um, lengthening and, and contracting the hamstrings to their full extent every time. So you're not overstimulating the muscle to the point where they need to overload to do it. And most of the time, cycling is a steady state form of cardio, unless you're doing intervals on the way to work or whatever, which if you are, then hats off to you. You're a champion. But most people would just be doing steady state study, steady state cardio on the way to work. So our legs are really not getting too much fatigue whatsoever, Okay, so we're not exactly training our, our lower body by riding to work. I definitely wouldn't classify it um, that way. For those people that are just starting out riding, then yeah, they might pull up sore for the first week or two um, after those rides along with all their other volume they're doing in the gym if they're training multiple times per week and whatnot. But your body adapts very quickly and it'll get to the point where it doesn't. It, you're really not working that hard in terms of muscle fatigue. So your muscles aren't being stimulated enough where they are needing to adapt too much there's not too much of a stimulus where you, where change is required so that's why we're able to, to do so much volume on our lower body without it i guess classifying as a training day okay let's do one more um what have we got now i'm not this one in particular i definitely want to mention that look i'm obviously not a doctor and whatnot but i have had covid already um had it quite badly and feel like I've still got symptoms of long COVID now. So this question is training after COVID, um, you know, how to slowly get back to where you were. First thing to understand is you've got some form of virus. It's like a central nervous system thing. All right. So you may muscularly feel really good. So physically you feel like you're fresh. Um, you go in and do a really hard session, your first session back after coming out of um, isolation or whatever, or starting to feel better. And this applies for other sicknesses as well. Um, and then you overdo it, your central nervous system gets over-fatigued and all of a sudden you feel like you're taking a few steps backwards and you're still quite unwell. If you've been out of the gym and out of training for a week or two weeks, also understand that you've had some form of deconditioning to the to the muscle groups you've been working, so you can't just go back in and expect to lift exactly the same weight for the same amount of volume and frequency straight away. So treating it like you've just come off an injury. So starting off nice and light, nice and gradual, um, dropping the loads that you're using you know, prior to getting sick, gradually building them back up and for the first week or two i've been recommending to all of my clients to treat it as if by the end of the week and by the end of each session you leave there feeling like you could have done more if you leave there feeling like you've just done the hardest workout you've ever done then i can almost guarantee you're going to go backwards and feel like shit for longer so just give your central nervous system time to recover you know you'd rather work your way into it over a number of weeks really slowly and feel like you're not doing enough um, rather than going in that first week and just absolutely smashing yourself and then a month or two later you're still having issues in terms of fatigue, in terms of um, you know your cardiovascular system still not being up to scratch. And obviously these will vary from person to person in terms of um, how bad or how severe your case of um, COVID has been or whatever sickness we're talking about. 
So it will vary, but in general, my recommendation is to gradually work your way back in. Okay, so starting with maybe even um, slightly higher rep ranges but lower loads and then gradually building that intensity back up until you're lifting a heavier weight with lower rep ranges um, and really pushing the intensity a bit more. After multiple weeks of starting to feel good again and recovering properly after each session and not having any issue and then go from there. So hopefully that helps you guys. Um, and I think we'll wrap it up there, keep the episode a little shorter. Um, I hope you've taken some value from this Q&A. It's been a, an enjoyable one. I always love doing Q&As. Um, it's probably what I enjoy most about um, recording or writing content or posting content is Q&A style stuff because I know that people want to want want to hear the answers to it and it's going to help people um, and that's what I'm here for. So thank you for tuning in. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to mention um, I try not to plug or sell stuff on the podcast pretty much ever. I'll always mention if there's stuff that you guys can try out if you need it, but um, I do want to mention that I have a free seven-day trial to my coaching app, um, the VIP Workout Club. So the DK Fitness Coaching app, um, the link is in the show notes below. All you need to do is use the code DK Trial at checkout. You get seven days free. Jump in, see what you think. Um, the feedback has been incredible. The functionalities in the app are amazing, and of course, the programming um, will help you achieve your goals. Um, if you're looking to work one-on-one, we also have the platinum option as well which is a little more expensive, but you're investing in yourself and you're working with me one-on-one. So if that is something you'd like to explore, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. Um, if not, then I hope you've enjoyed this episode and there's plenty of more free content to come. Um, and thank you for tuning in. So enjoy the rest of your day. I'm looking forward to sharing more episodes with you very soon. And again, thank you to everyone who sent back feedback from that first episode um, with Kane and I. And I'll chat to you guys again soon. Have a great day.